My AC is off and my fridge is off, so we're good. Your fridge is off. So my <laughs> fridge. Do you turn your fridge off? What about the food? What if you forget to turn it back on? So I did one time <laughs> and I had to throw up my food. Oh, what, man. Brett? Why are you turning your fridge off? For editing purposes, <laughs> my fridge is, it always does this like low groan. It's just like, and it, it always catches it on my mic and it drives me crazy. Brett, I love you. I love your heart, but there is no way our podcast is as important <laughs> as keeping your food fresh. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to Bookends with Friends. This is your favorite hobbit, Parker Moon. I'm your shorter co-host who can kill just as many orcs, Brett Irvin. And this is your co-host, Daniel Phillips. And we are a weekly book club podcast where we go over one book a month and make friends along the way. What's going on, guys? How is it going? We've got a, a special friend today. We do have a special friend today. <laughs> All right, so we have a fourth co-host with us. What's going on, Annex? Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for having me on. Uh, I'm Annex, also a hobbit. <laughs> five, five, six, and so hobbit at heart, always. <laughs> always, yes. Um, yeah, Dan, you're more, I feel like you're more of an elf. I'm not a hobbit, that's for sure. Yeah, six, four, yeah, or maybe even an Dan's ant an at ant. this point. He's an ant. Six, four is an yeah, you're reaching ant, numinal level. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for, for joining us, Annex. Thank you, yes, Annex. We are, we are you. so excited to have you on the show. Uh, before we get too much further, let's go ahead and remind uh, our listeners that the book of for this month is Lessons in Chemistry by Bonnie Garmus. So if you are reading along with the podcast for the book club, that will be the last Tuesday of this month, which I believe is the 30th. Brett, correct me if I'm wrong. Yes, it is the 30th. Okay, sweet. And that is the last bit of bookend stuff that's important. And now we are all focused on Annex Wilson and having you on the podcast. Um, thank you. Thank you again. No pressure. No pressure. <laughs> no pressure at all. Uh, shall we move into quote of the week, our segment where we we go over a quote of the week and we, as the listeners and us as the bookends with friends, will live by that quote. A lot of power is in your hands, Annex, because you get to choose what that quote will be this week. Okay. Okay. My, I think there's so many you can choose from uh, Lord of the Rings because it's so, there's so many life lessons and so much you can learn from it. But I had to pick, if I had to pick one, it would be, I think, the quote that summarizes the entire theme of Lord of the Rings. And I think part of the reason why we all love reading in books, right? And it's a line by Haldir, uh, the elf who in the films dies uh, at, two, at uh, Helm's Deep. And it's a line that he says, he goes, I might get part of this wrong, but it's, the world is indeed full of peril, and in it there are many dark places, but still there is much that is fair, and though in all lands love is now mingled with grief, it grows perhaps the greater. Man, you just whip that out. That, that, that is beautiful. It's my it's one of my favorite lines. Well done. Yeah. I would say uh, we could we should all get tattoos of that, but that would be that would take up a lot of space. Mm -hmm. I do love that. Um, that is an incredible quote. Well, even better, we can just get a tattoo of Haldir across our back. Yeah, instead. that too. <laughs> that's not many. There's not many Lord of the Rings fans I know who would do a Haldir tattoo. So <laughs> that's, that's a deep yeah, cut. That's deep that's cut. A deep that cut. is a deep cut. <laughs> that's a fantastic quote. Absolutely. Well, I think you did a fantastic job with your first quote of the week because that one is amazing, and I think we could all live by that uh, pretty easily and learn from that. So before we get too much further, uh, uh, or now let's move into discussion, the discussion piece. Can we get a quick synopsis annex of of your history in, in this like creator space? Because you, now you, now you've built up, you know, a name for yourself in in the book talk community and on YouTube. Um, and for many people, you are their Lord of the Rings guy. For me, you're my Lord of the Rings guy. Um, so I, I think you've done a fantastic job of garnering that fan base. And so I want to hear a little bit about that journey and your story so far. Oh, uh, it was a, it was entirely accidental. Now that this was started with a name of like being a fantasy guy or being like making book talk videos or anything like that, it was just, it was summer and, you know, I think exams had finished maybe. And summer had started and I was I was kind of bored and I thought I should, I, I'd been watching so many TikTok videos that I thought I should just start making one. 
and nobody watched them for about six or seven months. It was me and a couple thousand people, a uh, couple thousand followers, but it'd be like a hundred views per video and a couple comments. It was a very small community. And then for some reason, just one day just took off. The algorithm was like, this is your moment. And yeah, and then it sort of took off from there very, very quickly. And I'm still sort of getting used to all of that. Uh, to be known as the Lord of the Rings guy is still really weird and I still don't get it. <laughs> well, you're doing you're doing pretty awesome now. I mean, you got over two hundred thousand followers, um, which is is pretty great. And I I personally uh, have, have loved watching that journey and have learned more about Lord of the Rings than I thought I could ever learn um, from your in depth videos. Uh, so so give us an example or, or a story of like what's been one of your favorite experiences so far from from all of the success. Oh, I think it's basically what you just said is. I don't, I don't know if I see it as like a success so much in terms of like getting the numbers. I think what made me really happy is, uh, one, it's the fact that a lot of people told me that they watched the videos and then learned so much more about the story and like fell in love with Lord of the Rings even more after watching my videos. And I thought, that's just crazy. Like, th- these are stories that have been out for decades. Films have been out for nearly <laughs> over 20 years now. And like watching a video that I made like about how Legolas is really old, and, you know, if you have a crush on Legolas, it's okay, but he's over 2,000 years old, so it's a bit weird. <laughs> like, that video made people fall in love with Legolas even more. And I was like, that's crazy. That's amazing. And people said, uh, I had lots of people tell me that they went and read the books for the first time because I told them about the film. And even more weirdly, cool. people said they watched the films for the first time after watching the videos, which just made me think, why were you watching the video in the first place? Right. If you if you haven't seen the films, how did you get here? Uh, but yeah, they were like, I've never I've never cared about Lord of the Rings, but I watched your video and then I went and watched the films and I really liked them. I was like, great, that that's fantastic. But that's one of the coolest things. Uh, and the other thing is, the way I always look at a video doing well or like a post doing well isn't about how many people see it or how many likes it gets. To me, it's about the comments, right? Like a video that gets lots of like, like a meme, like a, just a quick meme that people like and then move on is fine. But if it's a longer discussion video and then people comment and they give their thoughts in the comments and you can like discuss or debate or argue back and forth, uh, like a video with hundreds of comments to me is more interesting and more fulfilling than a video with thousands of likes or views. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, a, right, it's a discussion. Right. Like I don't know about you guys, but growing up with like these nerdy books and like fantasy and like reading just in general, uh, there's not many people I knew who did it or did it to the level I think that like we do it to. Yeah. So when you come to them with like, hey, uh, the Stormlight Archive, ever heard of Brendan Sanderson? And they're like, no. Who? You can come to people <laughs> with Lord of the Rings a lot because most people have at least seen the films. But when you come to them with like, hey, the Mistborn is really good. It's, a, you know, it's like a modern take on fantasy with some old tropes and you should really read it. And it's got really relatable characters and they're just like, Sure, whatever. And they don't read the book. <laughs> it's really cool to just make a video and then have lots of people who have read the thing give yeah. their thoughts on it. Uh, and, you know, sometimes if it's a smaller book, they're like, oh, I've never actually heard anyone in real life talk about this. But it's so nice to see that other people have also read it. Uh, and that, that's the coolest sure. thing. It's a discussion with people, really. It's, uh, it's finding the people who also like the thing that you like so that you can have the nerdiest discussion with them about it. Things that most yeah. people in real life don't even realize are debates. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, I think for us, the the best thing and kind of, you know, with the podcast, we've had the same experience where the, the community piece of it is is the most important where, you know, it, it's fun to create the content and it's fun to um, engage. But once you get past that level and mm-hmm. you can start to like make friends from it or have deeper discussion about, about the books and, and everything, that, that I think that's where you, you know, you see the... The real magic happened. That's where it actually starts to feel like, oh, this is this is cool. This is a big thing that's happened. Yeah, and I think for the longest time, I think I, I came to it too late because I didn't I didn't realize how to, I didn't know how to like get that started. So I think there's lots of people mm-hmm. I know who have much much you know beginner channels who just recently started and they're already so active in the community. And it's something that I didn't do for a long time because I just didn't know how to. Uh, and then. When I got bigger, I had lots of people who then got in touch and was like, hey, do you want to join this Discord? Or and then do you want to join this game? Or do you want to be a part of this? And I was like, oh, all of these are available that I did not know about. And so, yeah, it's right. just been so much fun connecting with people, both 
through TikTok and just like in real life and like outside of the platform. I always like asking this question because it makes me think of myself when I was really young, but where was your start with Lord of the Rings? The Annex Wilson origin story. <laughs> well, the Annex Wilson origin story, funnily enough, the way everything is working out right now wasn't with Lord of the Rings. Okay. I don't talk about this a lot on the internet and it always surprises people when I say this, but Lord of the Rings... I mean, it's got my it's got my favorite world building, I think, across any fantasy series. I don't think anything has matched or anything could match what Tolkien did, you know, working on the same series for 50 plus years. I don't think any fantasy author working now could do that, really, and, you know, still mm-hmm. make a living. You can't just work on the same three books for 50 years and just keep updating the law. Uh, but so it's got my favorite fantasy world building, but my favorite fantasy stories aren't always Tolkien, I think. The Lord of the Rings is great. Silmarillion is a fine book, but there's not too much beyond that I've gone into. Deviating from the question. The, uh, so, how did I start with Lord of the Rings? <laughs> I, let's, okay, how did I start with fantasy? Uh, it was... I was a Percy Jackson kid, uh, not a Harry Potter yes. kid. Yes! Yeah, that's awesome. I read Harry Potter way after I read Percy Jackson, so Percy Jackson was probably my first introduction to, like, a real fantasy story, even though it's not set in a different world. It's like, it's about Greek gods and powers and stuff. And then I read a series, I uh, don't know if you've heard of it, it's called uh, the Belgariad series by David Eddings. It's, uh, it's a total Lord of the Rings ripoff, published in the 70s. The author himself has basically said, he's basically said he saw Lord of the Rings was on its like 10th edition or something and was like, I could do that, and then wrote a series. Okay. <laughs> so I reread that book, four of, I read the series, it's a five book series. I reread them four or five times. And at some point in that, I saw The Hobbit, small children's book in a school library and thought, that sounds cool. I read it, loved it. Uh, and then my librarian was like, read Lord of the Rings, that's next. But uh, I was a 11-year-old uh, immigrant kid who had learned English two years prior. So Lord of the Rings was a bit much. Yeah. Tolkien, I, <laughs> hand on heart, love Tolkien's language. And I think he's got some of the best pros in the business, but... To an 11-year-old kid who does not know English well, it's tough. So I hated I yeah. hated Lord of the Rings last time I read it. I, I thought, this is a bunch of people walking, talking. Someone throws a ring in a lava, and uh, that's about it. What's the point? Yeah. Why is this? Why do people love this? A great summary. Yeah, it's basically it. That's basically, and so for years, I told people, <laughs> don't read Lord of the Rings. It's terrible. It's boring. It's not worth it. And then I think it was a summer a few years later. Uh, I was just bored and my friends had been pestering me to watch Lord of the Rings because they were big fans. And they're like, you need to watch, you read so much fantasy, watch Lord of the Rings. Uh, and so I did. And that's when I got obsessed. So yeah. technically I read the books first, but I didn't become a fan till I watched the films. And then it'd been a few years and I knew English at that point. And also I knew the story. So when I went back to the books, I was like, oh, I understand what's going on now. I understand like I when I could when I read Aragorn, I could picture Aragorn. And when I read yeah. the story, I had the movie in my head already. And you know, there's big differences between the movie and the book. But yeah, that's how I then it's in my second reading of Lord of the Rings that I actually got it. I love this inside look because I, I mean I definitely didn't know that, and I've been watching your videos <laughs> for a long time. But I, it, it's I, I like the roller coaster of that origin story of mm-hmm. not liking it to to falling in love with it, and also reading. This is this is a, a little bit of a tidbit uh, or, or kind of exposing my whole situation because I am a big fan of Lord of the Rings and I finished um, uh, uh, Return of the King last week for the first time because I was like, hey, we're having Annex on the show and I got to finish this book. So I, I had read the first two and of course watched the movies, but I was like, you know, I, I never actually finished the book. And a, a part of that was um, the his Tolkien's writing style was uh, not that I don't like it. It was just hard. I mean, you were joking as like, uh, you know, a middle grade kid trying to read that. It's tough. I'm over here as like a 28 year old reading it. I'm like, man, he goes on about these trees, doesn't he? <laughs> but uh, but I, I really, it, that that's, it, it's interesting because I mean, it's, it's something that you, you appreciate more, uh, you know, once you have greater context of it, mm-hmm. I feel like. Yeah. And that, that's definitely a very cool origin story. It's definitely a book that you can appreciate more on the reread. Because in the first time, you're just trying to get the story and figure out the characters, figure mm-hmm. out where it's going. 
And the second time you can just appreciate the language and the way he yeah. describes things. Like it's some and it's every time I read cert, certain quotes, it's just sometimes it hits you like a line that last time you read it, you just you just breeze past. The next time you read it, it hits you. Like uh, I was uh, rereading a chapter of the Silmarillion. There was a there's a line where it says, uh, "Silence descended on their memories," and I thought that's that's such a cool way of saying they forgot either purposefully or the trauma made them forget or somehow it just faded from their memories. And the way you know, you could, there's several ways of saying you forgot something, but to say silence mm-hmm, descended right. on their memories is, and I had read that line so many times and I never it never really touched me, but the, that time I read it, that particular phrase hit me. And there's so many lines like that. I think every time you reread uh, or listen to the audiobook, the language just hits you. Um, and I don't think anyone does it like Tolkien does. You know, since you are known as the Lord of the Rings guy this, these days, you're kind of immersed in mm-hmm. it. Is there any kind of burning question either about him or his series that you would love to be able to ask him um, if, if you had the chance to? Is there anything like maybe some sort of uh, detail that was left out or mm-hmm. is ambiguous about a specific character or just something that happened where you wish you could just say like, speak to him for like five minutes and be like, hey, real quick, what is <laughs> what is this? That's uh, is a really good question, and I've I've heard I had this asked before, and I always get stuck. But I I don't think so. The way Tolkien wrote Lord of the Rings, going back slides, just pulling back the uh, we have back the background of Lord of the Rings is that it's supposed to be a history that happened, and it's being revealed, and it's, and it's a book, and then Bilbo and Frodo, and eventually finished by Sam. It's you know they wrote the story, and Tolkien found it, and he translated it. So it's it's true events, and so in the way that real world history works, Tolkien wrote in a style of, there's lots of things that happen in Middle-earth that he knows nothing about because Bilbo didn't write about it or Frodo didn't know about it. So he mm-hmm. doesn't know. Like what happened in the Far East? Uh, Tolkien writes that there were probably great kingdoms and empires and they fought, fought great wars and a lot, lot happened in the East, even not just the people who sided with Sauron, even further East, you know, in the distant East, yeah. people who have never heard of Sauron you know, having their own issues and fighting their own wars and doing stuff over there, probably, we don't know, but I assume there is, is what Tolkien said, <laughs> right, basically. Right. Yeah, th- there must be people over there doing this stuff, uh, but that doesn't concern <laughs> yeah. the story. So there's so much that's left a mystery, and I kind of like that. So I've heard a lot of people say they would ask Tolkien who Tom Bombadil is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I wish he had given an answer because that question comes up all the time. Uh, but yeah. I, genuinely, I don't think it matters who Tom Bombadil is. Because it's, yeah. he's supposed to show up, show the hobbits, you know, help them out a couple of times, show that there is some something in the world that's beyond the power of Sauron and then just disappear. And who he is doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. So what mm-hmm. I would ask Tolkien isn't a five-minute discussion. What I would want to have with him is hour-long discussion about where orcs come from. Okay. Huh. People who read the Silmarillion and that's it think that the question of orcs is a settled question, right? In the Silmarillion... Tolkien, because it's put together by Christopher Tolkien, he says that um, orcs are corrupted elves uh, because elves awoke first and then Morgoth, the Dark Lord, the Sauron's master, found the orcs, corrupted them, found the elves, corrupted them and turned them into orcs, uh, which is fine. It works. Um, and But if you read Lord of the Rings, that's not exactly the way he writes orcs in Lord of the Rings because like the famous... Um, you know, competition between Legolas and Gimli of who can kill the most orcs. They don't they right. don't do a competition of who can kill the most Easterlings or the most Haradrim, but only with orcs. Right. Uh, because it's a sort of a hint of Tolkien's earliest idea for orcs, which is that they are just mindless sort of stone constructs uh, controlled by Sauron. And so they're not even living things. And so you can kill them and mm-hmm. there's no consequences. Whereas killing a Haradrim or killing an Easterling is killing a human being. Whereas killing an orc, right. you're just destroying stone. Uh, but then Tolkien sort mm. of changed that and went, no, they're corrupted elves. But then that poses another question, uh, because um, deep diving a bit more into elf history here. Elves are supposed to have a spirit and a body. So the question that comes from a corrupted elf is, if an orc is a corrupted elf, what happened to the elf spirit? Is that is that still in the body? And if it is, when you're killing it, you're still technically killing an elf. And if not, right. if the spirit is gone, what happened to the spirit? 
if the spirit is gone, how is the thing still alive? Uh, also, mm-hmm. imagine the spirit is still within there, deep within there. You kill the orc. What happens to the spirit afterwards? Because elves go to the halls of Mandos, which is like a purgatory, and then they um, are reborn eventually after they sort of, if they've done anything bad, after they sort of atone for their mistakes, they're reborn because their spirit is immortal. Mm-hmm. So if an orc gets killed, does that spirit go to the halls of Mandos and get reborn? Also, if Morgoth managed to corrupt the first group of elves, how did the subsequent group of elves, how did the, how did the children of the orcs also born corrupted? How did Morgoth corrupt them so deeply that thousands of generations afterwards, they're still corrupted? So, right. so Tolkien just didn't like, he wasn't satisfied with the answer of they're corrupted elves. Right. So he went, no, they're corrupted humans. And then, well, that doesn't work because the timeline doesn't work. So they are right. maybe a mix of both. And maybe they're like corrupted elves mixed with evil humans. And in the end, he just never settled on an answer. Yeah. <laughs> so Christopher Tolkien was just like, you know what? We'll go with the corrupted elves theory because it makes the most sense. Uh, but that's mm. what I would discuss with Tolkien is what are orcs? Are you telling me they're not uh, born from mud? Like they're yeah, born <laughs> out of the ground. <laughs> they're not planted in mud mm-hmm. and pulled out. Like they just cocoon. pulled out and they just yeah, they're born from stone. <laughs> if you kill an orc that has an elf spirit, is it a double kill? Does it count as two? Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Does the orc God. Sp- does the orc have a separate? That's a good question. Like, could Gimli kill one and be like that one? That one's that's two. That's two. That, counts that, counts two. that still only counts as one. That counts as two. But then Legolas also counts as two. Right, then it would just be a wash. Ah, all, yeah. it. <laughs> so it's just doubled now. Uh, well, I want to hit you with a question because I think uh, th- this kind of leads, uh, you know, into it nicely, and and we could go as in depth or or not in depth as you want about this. Um, but for better or for worse, I feel like you are now definitely a part of the Lord of the Rings fandom, mm-hmm. and there is some great things and some not so great things. Uh, and so I wanted to to ask you about that, uh, just about the fandom as a whole. What's your what's your favorite thing about um, the group of people who have collectively come together to nerd out about Lord of the Rings? Mm-hmm. And then also things that you um, maybe wish weren't a part of the community or wish could change for the better. That's a big question. I, I think my favorite thing about the fandom is probably still the things I said at the start of like, People love the same thing and they and you nerd out about it and you can have such in-depth discussion and they have such a love for it. And Lord of the Rings fandom, because I hadn't engaged with it so much before, it's just been like, I love this thing and a couple of people I know love this thing, but not to the depth that I love it. Uh, but that's fine. And then mm-hmm. I, you know, when you engage with the wider fandom and the, it wasn't so much a thing when I had much fewer followers because mm-hmm. it was like, like I said, a couple hundred people would watch a video and that's it. Uh, it's when it, became much bigger that videos get on the For You page and it's not people who think exactly like you. It's people who have different perspectives on it and uh, sometimes their perspectives are a little unfortunate <laughs> and I don't always agree with it. The way I see it, I I think that you can have your opinion about any fandom. I think this doesn't just apply to Lord of the Rings. I think it applies to all of them that you can hate or love whatever you want in the fandom. Like in Star Wars... I, I don't know much about the movies, but I, I've heard a lot of discussions about the sequels. And I think it's va- perfectly valid for you to have an opinion that you hate the sequels. That's fine. You can do that. Mm-hmm. You can hate Rings of Power. You can hate The Hobbit. You can hate Lord of the Rings. That's fine. It's just don't make your dislike of something someone else's problem. Right. It's the way yeah. I say it. It's If I make a video and I say a certain thing about like, oh, I love this thing in Rings of Power. And then someone in the comments tells me, oh, I hate it for these reasons. That's fine. But if someone else comments, I love it, and then you go to their comment and tell them why their comment, they're wrong and they, they're dumb and they're stupid for having these opinions, that's when I block you because you're making your yep. dislike <laughs> of this thing that person's problem. That person just wanted to comment something nice and then move on. And now they have to read your hate right. comments. And that's just not fair. Also, that, uh, that reminds me, can you unblock me from your page? Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. I would love to be back in. Yeah. <laughs> Daniel's uh, obviously I'm, joking. I'm sorry, yeah, I'm only sorry. only kind <laughs> comments. <laughs> I I really loved your the the video you made about uh, how essentially like the movies, the Lord of the Rings movies are fan fiction, and how Rings of Power is fan fiction, and how ultimately like all of this, all anything that is created past Tolkien's original works are 
adaptations and people trying to understand the work and build on it and create it and make it accessible and and likable and it's an attempt and if it you know it, and, and people need to go go into things with that kind of lens of uh mm-hmm. like you said like you can appreciate the source material and love it and something come out that be based on it but if it's not you know for you that's fine you know it, it is it is the the fan fiction it is the you know the attempt at making you know a show based off of the original creation but it, it's not the original creation it's not you know it, it's it's its own thing it's its new thing and i i really like i feel like um you do you do an excellent job of uh communicating kindness through your platform when you do probably get a lot of uh dummies and knuckleheads who like to uh just you know throw in angry comments or or stupid comments or hate comments when you know that that's the the most unfortunate part of the fandom Mm -hmm. Um, but i think you do a really good job of steering it back um into a way that just overall uh you know promotes kindness and and open-mindedness you know to a a large audience thank you i it depends on what mood I'm in. Sometimes I'm like, <laughs> I want to be really nice to you. And sometimes I'm going to be the most sarcastic kind of nice where I'm not being nice at all. I'm just being really cruel. I'm being, I, and I'm aware later that I was really sort of undermining them and like condescending to them. But also I was oh. just in a mood when I made it. And then the really annoying thing about just internet and TikTok, which is, you know, content creation is that the videos where you're angry, the videos where you're annoyed, the videos where you're upset, and, and those are the videos that do best. And, you know, the part of me that's like, oh, I want to, I want videos to do well. We'll just leave them up. Uh, we'll just like, you know, I won't take them down. And the other part of me is like, this is not nice. I, I, I sometimes do feel bad of, I'm using the fact that I have a couple hundred thousand followers to make this person feel really bad about the stupid thing they said. And it's a judgment of, do they deserve it? Or do they just say something stupid? And uh, now I'm using the fact that I have a platform uh, to be condescending to them so i try to be it depends on the mood i saw one recently that i really liked where somebody asked something along the lines of for rings of power why does this character look like this and you your response was you said that's a great question and you immediately went into it and you said because it's fantasy (laughs) and that's okay and i was just like gosh i love that response because it's just like the way you started it is very much like oh i'm gonna get into this and you're like because it's okay, like, right. that's it's perfectly fine for someone to look different in a in a piece of fantasy. For, uh, like, behind the scenes on that video, I I filmed that when I was waiting at the San Diego airport to pick up my luggage. Well, I got the idea for it when I was waiting for it, and I got I filmed it when I got to the hotel uh, for Comic Con. Uh, and the original video was about forty five seconds long, and it had like an actual explanation about like the origin of dwarves and. Like they're made from stone and like how they came to life and the seven clans and all that stuff. I filmed the whole thing and then I thought, this is dumb. I don't have to use I don't have to have to use science to explain differences in a fantasy world. That's one of those where I thought this is really condescending. <laughs> Maybe a bit mean, but yeah, you're waiting for luggage, so I have been probably. Was. I've been waiting for about 45 yeah. minutes. If that's your version of mean, you are one of the nicest people right. I know because it, that really is pretty nice tame. <laughs> that's not mean at all. You put something out on the internet and it's sort of, it's out there, you know? Yeah, no, I I do respect that, yeah. I'd been waiting for luggage for 45 minutes and I was getting really bored. I'm really annoyed. (laughs) That's a perfect segue, though, uh, with you being at Comic-Con. So do you want to, are you able to tell us anything about your Um, Comic-Con experience? I think all the Comic-Con stuff I can talk about now because it's basically over. I don't know if I've said this on the channel, but it was a trip sponsored by Amazon. It's basically a thing that press get. So traditionally, press get invited to a bunch of stuff by studios, either by streaming studios and also traditional studios for films and TV shows coming out with a big marketing budget where they get people in, they give them lunch, and then they go, okay, talk to the cast, talk to the producers, watch a few clips, and write about it. To Amazon and other studios now, you see Marvel doing it. You see a lot of studios taking TikTok seriously as a platform of, like, as a proper media platform. So they basically invited a bunch of TikTokers as well. Uh, me and Don were the only, I think, TikTok people there. It was just a delightful experience of talking to these people, uh, connecting with them. I had the most amazing conversation with one of the actors who plays one of the halfwits. And it was a 20-minute conversation where we were just talking about 
hobbits in Lord of the Rings and what hobbits means to Tolkien and what it means in the story and why they're the most important characters and why we both love hobbits so much. And then he was relating that back to Harfoots in the story and how hobbits are like hobbits, the differences between differences and similarities between hobbits and Harfoots. And it was just the nicest conversation. Uh, and yeah, I came away from it thinking, oh, like these people are also nerds. Like they are also just yeah. as big fans of this material. Maybe they didn't start out that way. Maybe they didn't know talking before they started working on this, but now they are. And the kind of discussions that I saw around me happening as well were just the coolest. And this isn't like me trying to promote the show or anything. It's just talking about the experience I had of meeting these people. Yeah. And it was just lovely. Yeah, that's incredible. I can't show you contracts or anything because NDA, but I can say that like there is nothing in the agreement that you have to say nice things about this. They fully right, welcomed, right, exactly. they fully took me over. I was like, we'll show you some stuff and then make a video about it. You can say whatever you want. That's great mm-hmm. though. So yeah, yeah I yeah. came around and I was like, it, when I went to the first event, which was in London, a lot of us went in with the, because no one had seen little clips. There'd been one trailer that we saw at that point. That was it. And a lot of us went in with the expectation of this will be okay, most likely. I hope it's not terrible mm-hmm. because I don't want to make a video saying this thing is terrible. And then we saw it and it was great and we all loved it. And then we thought, oh no, yeah. we're all going to say this is really good. And then everyone's going to say we were paid to say <laughs> this. Which, which predictably, that was the response of, oh, Amazon paid you to right. say this. I can, to anyone uh, assuming that I've you know, I'm on Amazon's payroll or being paid to say this, I can show you my student room. <laughs> and like the flat I live in to be like, there is no money coming into this. <laughs> yeah. I am, I am, I am broke. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, so it's literally just the, ex- it's just the cool experience that you get. Um, and it's not even the experience of actually, and this connects back to what I said at the start, of uh, seeing these clips or, you know, flying to San Diego. Flying to San Diego wasn't the best part of the trip. The best part of the trip is that I met in London and uh, US, I met so many people who either I just knew them through TikTok and I got to meet them in person or I had never known about them before. And I met them and I just managed to connect with so many people. Had you met Don before or is that the first time you guys met in person? Um, I knew Don. So we, we connected uh, through like DMs and stuff when I also started making Lord of the Rings videos and like that sort of took off. So we then... We, yeah, we've been following each other for a while. We've talked on like Zoom and stuff, but the first time we met was in London. Um, in, I think it was early okay. May. Yeah, first time was when I met Don, I met Emily, I met uh, New Better, Do Better, uh, a whole bunch of people then. Uh, and then I met some other people, like I met um, Lauren Does Cosplay, uh, who's a wizard way, Chris, and I met, yeah, so I met all of them in San Diego. Um, well, that uh, that's awesome. So, so continuing on with the uh, just like the Rings of Power show and an experience uh, that you've had, um, I, I kind of I had this question, and I don't know, you know, if if uh, this question makes sense. So I'm just gonna hit it, you know, hit you with it, and see mm-hmm. if you have an answer. Um, but if if you had time in the writers' room, or if you got to, you know, really inject one thing that you like from the Second Age. Um, or, or just, or, or just like thematically of uh, Lord of the Rings in general, uh, what would you like to see, or what story would you like to be told in the Rings of Power? Oh, it's a, it's a good question. My one dream that I want to happen is it has it's it was nothing of any consequence whatsoever. I just want it to happen. Is a Tom Bombadil mm-hmm. cameo. I don't want him to do anything. I don't want him to influence the story or even talk to anyone. I just want. The characters yeah. to be like the Harvard, maybe the Hobbits or some, the elves maybe are just traveling through the woods and in the background, like far in the background, uh, you just see a guy in like yellow boots, uh, just singing and walking through the background. And then that's it. We never see him again. Yeah. But no, yeah, he's just there to sing a song and then move on and no relevance to the story whatsoever. He doesn't talk to anyone. He doesn't get involved in anything. He's just there. I just want a cameo from Tom Bombadil. Yeah, that would be fantastic. <laughs> keep keep up the mystery. Like, give people the idea, like, oh, maybe they'll explain something, and then just, no. nope, not at He's all. He's just there. He sings, and then he leaves. The idea of this littlest people doing the biggest job, I think, is a, right. mm-hmm. is a Lord of the Rings theme. It's something specific to that trilogy. So I don't necessarily want that to be the theme of Rings of Power. Like, I don't want the Harford Hobbits to come in and save the deity and, and you know, defeat Sauron. Yeah. Because it doesn't, 
that's the Lord of the Rings thing. That's the uh, Hobbits do that. Frodo, Sam, Merry, and Pippin do that, and Bilbo. Uh, but I want I want to basically have these characters who never give up hope and hold on to that and hold on to their friendship, their fellowship, and um, yeah, ho- hold on to it even in, even when things get dark. You also one of your videos inspired me to finish Return of the King, the book. Because you you talked about the Battle of the Shire or the mm-hmm. Battle of Hobbiton, and I I just didn't have any context of that, mm-hmm. and so when I finished it, uh, that to me I I think was one of my favorite parts about the entire book because I feel like it really does round out that point of what Tolkien was trying to make with um you know exactly what you said like the, the these these littlest people the you know the the meek the the kind hobbits you know they go through this amazing journey and they they seemingly are you know unimportant or unimportant to like the rest of the world Mm -hmm. but they have this like great transformation and um and i think you really get to see that in the battle of the shire where they're you know they're they're kind of all them bet they're you know at least the main four are the 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 best versions of themselves Mm -hmm. like uh they all uh you know are so hopeful and kind and brave and and loving and the way they take back the shire speaks to their their personal growth uh of you know like mary and pippin kind of being these like almost like warriors and uh frodo and sam being like the more like like kind like uh leaders in the background i don't know i just i really loved it and and your video is the one because i i didn't know really anything about that from the movies so mm-hmm. Um, your video inspired me definitely to go check that out. And I, I really loved that that part of the book. Yeah, my plan worked. The plan is to uh, yeah. just <laughs> drop hints of stuff that happened in the books so that people who watch the movies are like, oh, I have to find out more. I guess I should read the books. And then they read the books. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's it's an amazing... I It's one of those scenes that people always complain that, as, that should have been in the movie. Uh, which I don't know how you feel about that after you read the sequence. What do you, what do you think? Do you think it should have been in the films? So for for pacing wise, I understand why it's not, and I understand Sorry. the uh, like the the epicness of of them, you know, in the final confrontation, um, unlike Mount, uh, or, you know, in in Mordor, and um, you know, with with Gollum and everything, and then like the battle of Gondor and everything being like the main focal point of the climax. Mm-hmm. I feel like it, like the pacing might have been hard to manage if they would have included that in the back half. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know personally, I think it does work best the exact way they did it in the movies and then left that just for the books. Cause I think for the books it, um, you know, it's almost like a little extra treat, like a little uh, like epilogue for for people who who want to know, like, hey, what ha- what happened afterwards, and and how, like, what was the state of the Shire? Did they go back, and was it just perfectly fine? And I, I just, you know, for me, it was it just felt so much sweeter to actually read the books because I didn't have that journey where I read the books first and then watched the movies. Like, I'd only ever really watched the movies. So then reading the books, I it felt like I really got this like extra treat at the end yeah. um, that I could just like like eat up. Like I, I loved I loved that that whole bit of it. I love the end of Return of the King more than any other movie. <laughs> like I one they, they do the um, the vision with Frodo of like the Shire burning, which I think was mm-hmm. was good enough for the movies. I think I. I think that's in fellowship, mm-hmm. but just the how everything's wrapped up in Return of the King is just perfect pacing for me because you have like them all reuniting and Frodo saying that Gandalf, you know, is alive, and then the wedding, and then the hobbits going back to the Shire. And my my favorite moment of the end is they're all rolling in in their like royal garb and their armor on their horses. And they're, I mean, they look like kings rolling into the Shire. And then the next shot is them like drinking a pint of beer. Yes. And they're all just silent. And they're looking at each other like, oh, like this is what we are now. Yeah. And it like, it really takes you back to like where they came from. I'm getting chills talking about mm-hmm. it. Like I'm about to cry <laughs> talking about it. But then like you get the, you know, with, with um, Gandalf and Frodo leaving and all the hobbits crying on the dock. Like I... I cry the last 20 minutes of that movie every time I watch it. And I watch it once a year. Like it hits me every time. And so to, to throw in another 
battle and another trial that they have to go through, I think would just kind of mess with the pacing of how the movie was filmed. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah. I think it's just, it's absolutely perfect as is. Yeah. Cause in the movie after Aragorn's coronation and they will bow to the hobbits, it sort of just shows them mm-hmm. then the hobbits are then arriving in the Shire, but in, in the book, right, right. Uh, like this, the scenes in between in the hobbits then traveling back from Minas Tirith to the Shire and, you know, right. parting with the Galadriel and parting with, like Elrond and this, you know, there's things that happen in between and then you know, staying in Rivendell for a bit more time. So mm-hmm. the ending, the pacing of the ending of the book is so different to the film. Or I think what surprises me every time when I read Return of the King is that the ring is destroyed about halfway or maybe like two thirds of the way through. Yep, I was shocked. <laughs> there's a whole half a book left. Yeah, uh, a lot of things happen afterwards. Like even that yeah. single tree coming back, there's a whole scene of Gandalf and Aragorn going to find a seed you know so it just it would need a fourth movie uh which i don't think is necessary (laughs) so you had mentioned uh before and in some of your videos that you've spoken with jd and patrick who are the showrunners of rings of power um and you said that they kind of told you in the first season they're going to explore some of the motivations for the kingdoms in accepting the rings from sauron um is there a specific kingdom that you're most excited to see within that? Is there one that, uh, like the Numenorians or the the dwarves or anything like that, that you're most excited to see their side of it? And, and I know some it's drawn from like Silmarillion and stuff, but is there, as far as like on film, is there anyone that you're most excited to see? Because a lot of these haven't been in film yet. As a society, the dwarves are the ones I'm most looking forward to, uh, because mm-hmm. I think. Peter Jackson does them a disservice to a certain extent in Lord of the Rings of making Gimli the comic relief. Uh, in the books, he makes some jokes, but he's also a really serious, really like powerful yeah. character and something. He's a buffoon. He, in, yeah. In the movie, he's like a buffoon. He's like, you know, walks, we dwarves aren't, we're sprinters. We don't do long distance. And uh, yeah. And the way he acts in Moria is a bit sort of not as serious as you would expect Gimli to be. Right. Whereas in the book, when they are at the, the end of the book, when the end of the first book, when Aragorn is considering splitting the fellowship, uh, he says he says that Frodo, if Frodo is going to travel, if the fellowship is going to split and Frodo is going to go to Mordor, then he should take Sam and Gimli with him. Like those are the three that should go uh, because he has so much respect yeah. for Gimli. So I think the dwarves have always right. been done a bit of disservice in the book, in the films. So I want the dwarves to be done right. I want the dwarves to be seen as like a serious, powerful, ancient race with so much capability and like, right? Because in the in the films when we see them, the elves still have Rivendell and Lothlorien, but the dwarves are still sort of, their greatest kingdom is lost. Casadum is lost. Right. But in the show, we can see Casadum. We can see dwarves having a civilization that can rival the elves. And I want to see that. Well, kind of kind of wrapping up on the, on the tail end of the episode, we have some rapid fire questions for you sure. that i just want to sling at you get an answer and move on to the next one yeah and i i do apologize these are not in the show notes that we sent you so this is Good. gonna be perfect fun, this i was, was hoping they wouldn't be <laughs> oh no yeah this is added in post so this is this is gonna be fresh this is gonna be just like just give us like quick no thought answer or you know just so yep just rapid fire. <laughs> let's go okay I, i've also added one um, Oh, good the, on my side so are you ready sure would you rather be an elf or a hobbit Hobbit. If you had to vacation anywhere in Middle Earth, where would you go? The Shire. Always. I mean, it's perfect yeah. answer. Um, you have to sneak past <laughs> Parker. This is a fantastic question. Did you write Thank this you. one? Thank you. Yeah. Uh, so you have to sneak past Shelob's Lair mm-hmm. or the Balrog in the mines. Which one would you take your chances with? <laughs> oh, um, the Balrog. Because as much as I love Same. Pippin. I think they would have gone gotten through okay <laughs> if it wasn't for they Pippin. Would have been... <laughs> if it wasn't for Pippin, they might have gone through. Yeah. But Shelob is hunting you. Shelob is looking for you. So if you go, you yeah, can't sneak. That's a good answer. Yeah, yeah that's not so a scary. chance mm-hmm. I'm going into no. that kid ever. I hate spiders. Ever. Terrifying. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah same. Um, if you were to join the fellowship, what weapon would you want? Oh, um, I mean, I would say Nasil, but I can't. You know, Aragorn sword and Euron, but I can't wield that. Um, I would most likely be a bow, and I would stand really far back. <laughs> yeah, great answer. 
you're opening a tea shop in London and you have to hire one employee, but your only options are worm tongue or the mouth of Sauron. Oh, oh no. Oh. Which one are you hiring? You're closing your tea shop. <laughs> <laughs> right? Can I? Yeah. I refuse to open this place. Uh, oh, God. Um, mouth of Sauron, I think. Because <laughs> worm tongue is, worm tongue just gaslights you and it's like the worst human being imaginable. It's so It's awful. just Agreed. awful. Yeah, He's just awful. Mouth of Sauron, I reckon, if I'm the owner of the tea shop and he works for me, I reckon I could change his mind. Whereas Grima would just be awful. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> uh, would you rather spend a day with the ants or a day with the eagles? The ants. Tree beard, all day. <laughs> yeah. Tree, yeah, easy. All day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Good answer. Yeah, it would take all day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And this is not this is not rapid fire. We want you to to give us all of your thoughts on it. But um, you mentioned earlier Stormlight and Mistborn, and how you're not only you know focused on Lord of the Rings. What other books or book series are you a big fan of that you would recommend to others? Oh, so many. Um, Stormlight Archive easily. I think it's a work that is rivaling Lord of the Rings. And once the all ten books are done, I think it could be the greatest work of modern fantasy. Um, as long as he yeah. can land it well, which I always I trust Sanderson yeah. to land a story. So Stormlight Archive. Um, so Mistborn, I think. Um, I don't love Mistborn as, long, as much as some other people do, but I still love Mistborn. And I'm so looking forward to book four of the second era coming yeah. out in November, right? Mm-hmm. So that's going to be exciting. Yeah. Yep. Something, oh, Discworld by Terry Pratchett is a phenomenal series. My man. Yeah. Oh, if if you read fantasy, if you enjoy fantasy, then you need to read Ursula, Ursula Le Guin's Earthsea Cycle. It's uh, yeah, yeah, I've heard so many things about those, that. I've never those five books, though. they're phenomenal. I think the first book is great as like a fantasy story, but the second book, yeah. The Tombs of Atuan and like uh, the fourth one, uh, which is the Hanu, is are phenomenal. Uh, they're just stories that no one else writes stories that way. Well, no one else writes stories about those. No one writes those kinds of stories, right? Like the fourth book, The Hanu, is about the hero of the story is this uh, middle-aged woman uh, where, whose husband has died. Uh, her children have moved away. She's living in a village on her own. And she finds this kid, this little girl, who was uh, hurt quite badly by other people and then left to die. And then she takes this girl in and looks after her. And it's about the life of this like middle-aged, yeah, this, this middle-aged widow and the girl she's looking after. And like the hero, yeah. like there is a great powerful wizard. He's not actually there. Spoilers for that, but uh, you know there are there are there is fantasy elements happening, but it is just this beautiful story of their life and so much great messages. And I think, yeah, everyone needs to read Earth Sea Cycle. That's liquid. That sounds incredible. I just I just added it to my Goodreads. Like mm-hmm. I'm gonna pick this book up very soon. Uh, well, well, thank you, um, Annex, again so much for uh, coming on the podcast. Um, I, I mean, you you've said it a couple times throughout the podcast uh, about like the importance of like building community and, and how that's kind of one of the best things that's come from, you know, your, your experience with, with the, the TikTok and YouTube and everything that you're doing. And, um, and likewise, and, and we just genuinely appreciate, you know, this, um, because it's cool. It's cool to have you on as a guest and, and to get you on because you're knowledgeable, but more than that, it's, it's good to have you on because you're a cool person and it's really nice to, uh, you know, to, to make a friend through all of this. I mean, that to us is the most important thing. So um, we are incredibly, incredibly thankful and grateful for your time. Um, and and the last question I want to ask, um, well, I, I have two more questions for you if you, if you have the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, quick questions. One, how can our listeners and audience support you best? How can we find like your channels? Where are you at with your with handles? What What are you working on? What's What's Fantasy Annex got next in store? Oh, uh, what do I have? I have, um, you can find me on TikTok. I'm at Annex Wilson, it's just my name, A-M-E-X Wilson. Uh, I've been told multiple times that that's not my name, uh, which I'm like, no, but no, that my name actually is Annex. <laughs> and people ask me if I spell it wrong. It's not Alex, it's Annex. Yeah, so I'm on uh, TikTok, Annex Wilson, YouTube. I'm on YouTube as just Annex Wilson. Uh, you can find me there. I, I haven't posted in a while, but... If you want to see really, uh, not old, sort of videos from about two or three years ago, uh, book reviews, quite cringy, badly produced. 
I have no idea how to talk in front of a camera, but I made them and posted them anyway, and I refuse to take them down. <laughs> well, that that's incredible. I'm going to go look up those YouTube videos for sure. That's terrible. Uh, <laughs> to get more Annex content. Um, and, then, and then lastly, um, and this is just kind of a fun question, um, and I'm especially interested in your answer because I know I know you're going through school and, and medical school, right? So that you're doing this on top of, um, you know, kind of this wild ride that you've had, I'd say, over the past like two years with uh, the growing success of your your page. Um, so so all caution thrown to the wind. Um, you know, there, there's no nothing getting in your way. What is your like dream to come from all of this? I don't know. I, I'm just because none of this was meant to happen none of this was planned or, right because i even was expecting any of this um my goal and my like dreams in life and like my goals in life are still attached to like the degree i do of medicine like i want to mm-hmm. achieve things in that and those things i want to be in it's i always want i always something there's something in the back of my head that's always goes are you going to be known for this for the rest of your life because what i want to mm-hmm. be known for is the medicine and like the work i do there I always tell myself that it's not time yet. I haven't graduated yet, so it's fine. But yeah, so this uh, with TikTok and this fantasy stuff and book stuff, it's just, it's a wild ride. And uh, I just want it to, I just want it to keep going for as long as possible. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's definitely. basically it. That's, that's my goal is if I can keep doing this for years and years. Well, you have three massive supporters on this show and yeah, uh, our listeners for sure. I mean, I, I we, we kind of have like, thrown out that we are going to bring you on the show to a couple people mm-hmm. and the positive feedback like the, there have been people who have like waiting you know edge of their seat for this episode to to listen to you so uh, i know i know you're doing good things and um I, I definitely think you have a bright future ahead and honestly i feel like uh you know you can you can do both you know i feel like you're gonna be you do great things in the field of medicine and then also uh continue on doing really fun stuff with um, you know, with your book stuff and, and Lord of the Rings and TikTok and everything. So, I hope so too. Absolutely. Uh, thank you so much for having me on. Um, this has been, I, I talked a lot and I feel like I, there was a lot of law stuff there that if you learned something new about orcs today. So, that was <laughs> that's that. honestly, that's fantastic. <laughs> I love lore conversations and this is the best. Yeah, it was amazing. All right. Um, absolutely. All right. Well, um, thank you so much. We are going to bookmark the show there. Uh, listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, we greatly appreciate it. Please uh, reach out and say kind words to Annex and follow him um, on all of his socials. Uh, remember again that our, our book this month is Lessons in Chemistry by Bonnie Garmus. And send us in questions and discussions because we will be going over that very soon. Uh, special shout out as always to Jacob Robinson for the intro and outro of our podcast. And special shout out to Maddie Moon for the wonderful cover art. And remember, the real books were the friends we made along the way. <laughs>